We hope you enjoy listening to this podcast of St. Louis on the Air, brought to you by University College at Washington University. With undergraduate and graduate programs, part-time, evening, and online. University College at Washington University, offering world-class education within reach. Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Every year, Sauce Magazine selects some of the players in the area's restaurant world as ones to watch, young people who are making their mark in that world. The selections include Evie Swoboda. She has been named executive chef of The Last Kitchen, which will open in The Last Hotel later this year. The other one to watch is Dakota Williams, executive sous chef at Sardella. I recently sat down with them and Sauce managing editor Heather Hughes, who explained what The Ones to Watch is all about. Ones to Watch is our annual January feature where we uh, highlight people in the food and beverage industry who are young, up-and-coming chefs or bartenders. Um, We've done coffee professionals, just anyone related to food and beverage who we think is going to make it big someday. What did you see in the guests who are with us today that got them on that list? Well, it's an interesting question. Um, this Every year it brings up this question of what, what, how do you predict who is going to make it? What does it take in a professional uh, that you can see when they're in their early 20s? We've had uh, people as young as 22 on this list. It's like, how do you know you're going to open your own business someday or something like that? Um, today we have Evie Swadoba, Swoboda. Dakota Williams, um, who are both in the niche food group, and I would say um, Dakota, we have been aware of since 2016 when he worked at Pirano. Um, he was just a kid, I think 21. Um, yeah, 21 or 22, I can only even remember. <laughs> and, um, it was so long ago, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ages, in 2016. Um, but we tasted some of the specials he was doing. He was just in the kitchen there. Um, I don't know the title or anything. I think it was not like on the line or something. And he started working on uh, specials that we taste and we're like, who is this guy? Maybe we'll wait and see if he still wants to do this when he grows up a little (laughs) bit. Um, And then Evie uh, was at Pastoria um, and we became aware of her. I met her at an In Boca dinner that Ashley Shelton, who's the executive chef at Pastoria was putting on and she was also a ones to watch and we talked to Ashley about her and she it was sort of like oh she's the next Ashley Shelton um, who has uh, come up with she was an eater young gun um, and then after we featured her when she was at Pastoria she took over Sardella for a little while so it's just it's um, we talk to loads of restaurateurs chefs business owners and ask them who they're seeing in their businesses. And it means even more if they mention people in other businesses. So it's not like you're just benefiting uh, from the press or whatever. Um, And then we ask a lot of hard questions because it doesn't just take talent and it just doesn't just take being a hard worker and those alone are hard enough to find. Um, But it takes uh, the sort of drive and we end up talking a lot about personality um, in, in making this list. So mm-hmm. it's it's a tough choice every year, and luckily we're not short on options. We had seven this time. You're not pulling names out of a hat. No, no, a, we talk about it all involved. year. Well, Evie, let's start with you. I've read a little bit about you, and, and I was interested in the way you got into the business. You kind of elbowed your way in, didn't you? Yeah, to start with, you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, I've always liked to cook my whole my whole life since I was very small, and I know that kind of seems like a cliche thing to say, like, 
I just always have loved to eat. I've always been really interested in food um, and art even. For me, it was kind of a creative way to express myself at home. Um, and when I graduated high school, I just pushed, I knew what I wanted to do. My father wanted me to get a four-year degree because he's a very smart man. <laughs> um, so I went to school for a little bit and as I was working, so I kind of just pushed myself into the first kitchen. I moved to the Lake of the Ozarks. Um, and then from there, I just built a relationship with the chef and it's a very small world once you get in the industry. That person knows somebody in Colombia, and from there I moved to um, my sous chef knew Brian Moxie, who I started working for at Pastoria. Um, I ended up getting my hospitality management degree from Forest Park when I was a sous chef already at Pastoria. And so I kind of fine-tuned some of my management skills. Um, but otherwise, I've always just learned on the job and read a lot of books and practiced a lot at home, yeah. learned from the people around me. One of the things I read about you in Sauce was the fact that you had to fake it at the beginning. There were a lot of things you didn't know, but you convinced people that you did, and that's kind of the way you got in. Yeah, my first job, uh, the chef hired me on the spot, but HR didn't want to hire me. Huh. And so I had to kind of beg my way through there <laughs> without getting him in trouble. <laughs> and look at you now, as they say. Yeah. yeah. Dakota, how about you? What is what is your story? How did you get into it? Uh, I'm constantly hungry. So I knew that when I was younger that I would have to find a job that I could eat at because when I get angry, it's all because of hunger. <laughs> and everybody <laughs> knows that at work, so they yeah. just know to feed me <laughs> at this point. Um and I was doing fries at McDonald's, and my friend called me and asked me to uh, come dishwash at a restaurant that I was that was around town. And I started dishwashing there, and then they slowly promoted me up to line cook and prep cook and doing various things around there. And then through culinary school, one of my instructors actually used to be a sous chef for Gerard. She never told me until I started, like, trying to work for him. That's Gerard Kraft, by the way, the yes. well-known <laughs> Gerard Kraft. And I staged at Brasserie and then staged at Pasteria under Michael Petrus and worked next to Evie and then just worked my way through the company through there. I've always wanted to just keep pushing to make great food. I mean, it was always a creative outlet. This seems to be kind of a typical story for people in your field. I mean, working the way up the ladder. You don't start at the top or in the middle. You really you start making French fries at McDonald's or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, was, a, it was a fun thing to do. It was always something that I've always cooked at home, so... Just doing it now as a profession, it really doesn't feel like it I've makes ever work had it. Fun, yeah. Exactly. Like. <laughs> what does it mean to you, Dakota, to um, to be cited by Sauce Magazine in this way? It's almost surreal. You, like you always hear about people talking about it and like, oh, you might get it, or everybody says you're going to get it next. But once it happens, you're still like, I I don't feel like I got it. Like almost, <laughs> but now with people just coming up and talking to me about it, it makes me feel like all my hard work has been validated a lot of the times, and being able to see all my other friends get it as well um growing from the bottom like starting at the bottom and working your way up with these people to see it is really awesome to see yeah. how old are you if i may ask 24 24 heather that's uh, that's pretty young to be where he is right <laughs> now isn't it yeah it really is and it, it takes a lot to get that kind of attention at such a young age i think the way that you hear gerard Kraft, the owner of niche food group who owns sardella and pastoria um, talk about these two. It's uh, it, it takes a lot to stand out, um, and again, that takes both skill. It's sort of like a given if you make the ones to watch list that you are very good as a chef. If you're a chef, or very good at coffee, that's what you do. 
Um, but it takes more than that to get that kind of attention where um, I know Evie, uh, Ashley and Gerard talked about how good of a manager she is um, and how good of a personality she is uh, in, in managing a kitchen, which is a really hard, high stress yeah. thing to do. Um, and if you're, if you're going to go to those higher levels in this industry, you have to have those skills uh, in every category. It's more than more than cooking, then obviously, yeah. Yeah, I right. obviously love food a lot, but I love working with people more. Yeah, what does this uh, this uh, ones to watch award mean to you, uh, Evie? Well, I mean, a year ago, I, a lot has happened in the last year, and it was kind of a crazy time last year when I got it, and I did a rising star kind of at the same time. Um, it was a little hectic. I was a little overwhelmed with emotion, but um, like Dakota said, it's pretty validating. You know, you spend most of your hours of the week um, at work, and the people that you're surrounded with are your family, and so it's like it's all paying off and realizing that you're you're in the right profession and you're doing the right thing. You just have to keep using it as a little bit of energy for your next step. Well, let's talk about life in the kitchen, if you will. As Heather indicated, it's uh, it's it can be... Uh, a tough place to work in at times. I've often heard that chefs are, are, are almost tyrannical, that they run like dictate. They run their kitchen like dictators. Would you agree with that? Um, the industry is changing a lot. It's almost unacceptable anymore to be to be running a kitchen like that. Um, the industry, especially in St. Louis, is growing, and so people need good workers. And you're not gonna people aren't gonna stand to work for somebody that's dictating them around or they're not happy being at work so something that the last hotel which we've definitely done at craft restaurants too is hospitality to the employee um, treating them first Mm -hmm. making sure they're happy and understanding why they're there not everybody has the same goals and not everybody wants to be a chef but by all means if you do we are more than happy to help you surpass your dreams are you little Caesar in the kitchen, uh, Dakota? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> I mean, when I first started managing, I definitely had, like, this is my kitchen my way. But as I've seen <clears throat> older generations, like, change, and they've taught me and uh, been able to help me be happy at work, it's a huge difference. So trying to indicate that between everywhere that I go and work with and whoever I work with is a big thing. Um being happy at work is the biggest part of it. So, Well, there's a high level of collaboration in the kitchens, too, isn't there? I mean, you don't do yes. it all yourself by any no. stretch. I mean, we kind of have a joke in the kitchen that, like, the title really doesn't mean anything. We're all here to put out great food. So I might have the title, but just because you have a great dish idea because you're not sous chef or executive chef doesn't mean it doesn't go on the menu. Over the years, I think most people have associated chefs with men. Uh who are the better cooks and who are better at that job, men or women? I mean, that's very <laughs> black. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. That, that's hard to answer. I mean, I would much rather prefer working with women 100% just because they're a little bit easier to talk to when you have an idea. They deal with stress a lot better. But I've also seen men have that exact same uh, mentality. So to me, there is no real big difference between men and women in the kitchen. I've worked under great women chef, including Evie. And I've also agreed with un, under great men chef like uh, Michael Petrus, Gerard Kraft, and Brian Moxie. All of those have different skill sets, and you just always try to learn from each other. Evie, I think I know what your answer to that question would be. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I really never thought about it. Yeah. And even 
when I was younger and wanted to be a chef, I never thought that this industry would be this large. And so now it's nor here nor there. Like there's just as many women as men. Um, and I think that kind of just treat, creating everybody on that equal level and getting rid of the, you know, guy or girl situation is best for all worlds, like training and everything. So I don't think people are looking at it like that anymore. Heather, what do you see? I mean, you've visited a lot of restaurants and a lot of <laughs> kitchens. What What are you seeing with regard to gender? Um, like they said, I think the industry's changed a little bit. It was sort of structured after that military hierarchy, um, and it still has that in the kitchen, the way that uh, authority is is disseminated. Um, but it is, the, the conversation has changed. I've talked to a lot of chefs about that environment of screaming um, and just making people feel terrible if they mess up um, and how everyone's really trying not to do that. And just because you're raised up, the older chefs and restaurant owners came from a slightly different time. Um, just because they had to go through it, they don't want to keep that going. And um, yeah, like Evie said, I think there's more of a consciousness of hospitality towards your own staff that if if people are happy working for you, that shows in the service they provide to customers. Mm -hmm. And if they're not, that also shows. Um, I think one great thing about the food industry is that at some level it has to be a meritocracy a little bit because the point is that the food is good. And if you have all these power dynamics in the kitchen, um, either you're good despite it or it makes you make worse food. So you have to deal with that. Um, I don't. I don't work in a kitchen, so I feel a little silly yeah, talking about all that. There's definitely happy food but... and sad food. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can definitely tell. <laughs> Evie, how much opportunity do you have to invent uh, dishes? Well, right now I'm creating all of the menus for the new hotel. Um, I got to actually create the layouts of all of the kitchens. Um, there's three full kitchens at the hotel, a banquet menu. Um, a, we have a food roof. Or a food roof. Sorry, we're working with <laughs> we were working with the food roof downtown too. But um, we've got a rooftop pool and bar that'll have a little bit of a separate menu, and then our main lobby restaurant. Uh, so I'm making all of the menus. So I would say 100. <laughs> <laughs> percent But in terms of creating a, a food dish, in terms, are, do you have the opportunity to do that? To come up with ingredients? I think A would go really well with B, but nobody's ever tried this before. Let's try it. Uh, yes, and I, I also think that since I haven't been trained and I've – so I have a little bit more creativity open where I'm not doing exactly what I learned. Because sometimes if you learn something, it's easy to go right back to what you know is right instead of trying something new. Um, and I think that for me and how I learn, that has worked to my advantage, being able to put things together that mm -hmm. people normally wouldn't. And it's cool that cuisines are kind of – merging now and there's a lot more creativity happening. Dakota, how about you? I, I know from what I've read about you that you are pretty good at this. I try to be. I mean, <laughs> it, there is no dish that goes on any menu I've ever been a part of that somebody else didn't have a say in that could have tweaked it to make it a little bit better. Mm. Collaboration is a big must. Um, as long as I am able to talk about ingredients that sound like they're willing to work. Uh, we're always trying new stuff and trying to not reinvent the wheel, but try to just put a new play or spin on something that we know for a fact has worked and will always <laughs> just like attract people, but also try to do something new to get somebody to try something new. How, how do you test something that's new? 
Uh, you just try it in the kitchen, everybody tastes it, and you either hear good. If it's silent, normally that means something good because everyone keeps eating. <laughs> but uh, there's always always that chance that somebody else is like, well, it's awful. Like, I don't well, want to no, eat this. Yeah, and it yeah. normally comes down to balance. So it's mm-hmm. like if you have something that's just a little bit off, and we try five people try it and say, it needs just a little bit more acid or a little bit mm-hmm. more or less salt. And it's all about balance, really. Mm-hmm. Dakota, could you give me an example of a dish maybe that you've uh, created that uh, would en- would entice our people to come and visit? I mean, that's also a hard one, too. I mean, any dish at Sardella, we've redid the entire menu over the past three months uh, since I've came back from Nashville and everything. Um, so, I mean, our chicken dish right now is really good. It's just fregola, which is, almost looks like risotto-style pasta. It's very creamy. But it's a paprika butter sauce that goes with it. So it's a smoky uh, roasted chicken. But a lot of people just see that and they'll get enticed by it. But we have something different, too. That's like our hamachi crudo dish that plays on the flavors of Pudinesca. But everybody enjoys it thoroughly. So it's really weird to see somebody that's like, I don't like raw fish. They go to an Italian-inspired restaurant. They see that, they try, and it's something that they always talk about and come back for. Isn't there a danger in changing menus? I mean, you establish a reputation, people come back because they like something they had before, and they come back and it may not be there anymore. That, that's always a hard balance, too, when you have regulars that come by and they w- expect a certain item to be on the menu. But when you get to talk to them and be like, well, we might just send out a small sample for you to try it, they normally mm-hmm. trust us that we're good at our profession to still meet their expectation and what they want, and maybe they'll try something new and come back for that. Heather, what do you make of that, the idea of restaurants changing menus and maybe disappointing customers <laughs> who have been there before? I think uh, it's a problem that a lot of restaurants face is that the expectation of even uh, menu writing in general can be difficult in St. Louis or anywhere because people are like, oh, I want a burger or I want a steak, and I don't see that on your menu. I'm not going to come. Um, but... Honestly, anybody at a really high level is going to want to switch things up and going to need to be seasonal if you want to work with the best ingredients. So it's so common now um, that it sh- it shouldn't scare people off. If it still does, you uh, should you know try try to expand your horizons a little bit. Evie, do you have a dish that you've created that uh, is your favorite? Well, right now we're still doing a lot of R and D for our menu, but like we're talking about right now, it has been hard to balance um you know how it, especially at a hotel you need to have food that everyone is familiar with and it's going to be at the hotel um but what we're going to do to make it stand out a little bit is we'll have those standard items done well like you know your classic burger and sa- chicken sandwich and all that um good stuff but having a large selection of daily specials um so then those people that do want to change things up a little bit. They always have that option to come in and there will be something different on the menu. Where do you want to be five years from now? Do you want to ultimately have your own place? Um, yeah, I think my husband and I's dream is probably having a small pubish kind of restaurant eventually, maybe not in five years, five to 10. Mm-hmm. How about you, Dakota? What's your ambition for the next five years or beyond? I mean, as many times as I've tried to plan it, something always changes it. There's always something. I'm just, as long as I'm in a kitchen, I'll be happy. That's kind of everything I've, like, thought about ever changing leaving the industry. It's always come back to not leaving and just (laughs) 
fight through whatever problem I'm having at the time, and I always end up with a smile on my face staying in the kitchen. So as long as I'm cooking, that's all my big worry is about. Well, it's been terrific talking to you guys and finding out a little bit about you, and uh, congratulations once again on being the ones to watch. It's Thank terrific. you so much. Thank you. Thank really you, Evie, Dakota, and Heather. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.